0: Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girlbomb. Girlbomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self-care. So to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens.
1: But see, you see how, how there's no halfway, there's no 50% here. It's like if, if you had a parachute and you're jumping out of a plane, and I said, hey man, that parachute has a 50% chance of opening. You wouldn't jump. You hear me, you hear this message, you're 100% in. You don't hear it. You're jumping out of a plane with a faulty parachute. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for listening and watching wherever you're coming from. I'm grateful for you. I love this platform. Wherever you found me, maybe you found me on TikTok or Instagram or through After Midnight, the radio show however you got here. I'm just happy that you're here. And for those of you that have listened to a bunch of episodes or binged it or listened to every single episode when we put it out on Mondays, thank you. I'm, I'm super grateful. All I do is answer your questions. And I don't have any notes in front of me. We just walk through it as though we're we're longtime friends. You email me, GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com, GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com. My only two requests are don't send anything twice to me, and don't make it much longer than a phone length in the email because that it makes it hard to read for the podcast. But let's dive right into this thing. First one, subject line says, long distance relationships, Florida to UK. Thanks for your inspiration. I've been a long seven on a long seven-year self-discovery since my marriage ended. Last summer, I met a very lovely lady. Unfortunately, she lives overseas and visits America three times a year in an eight-week period. All my life, I never considered distance to be a good ingredient for a healthy relationship. This woman has inspired me to reconsider my ideals. I am definitely tied to America until my kids grow another eight years. I'm just curious on your take on long-distance relationships. Yee-yee, Joseph. Joseph, thanks for the email, buddy. Shout out to Florida. And uh, yeah, we'll get right to it. Look, long distance relationships—I um, don't have a problem with it. I-, I know that it just makes it difficult, which is probably what you considered uh, earlier when you said it's not a good ingredient for a healthy relationship. That just—it's just because it adds a new wrinkle. But what you're going to have to do is take it slow. Now, there's let's there's good and bad. Let's talk about good and bad. Uh, the bad is um, you got to take it slow. You know, and you, you, have to, you have to go down every detail and, and establish things early with her. For instance, would you ever consider moving to the U.S.? You got to establish that early. In a, in a close relationship, you would establish moving to a new town or moving for a career. You would establish that later in the relationship. But now you got to start talking about it pretty early. Like, hey, how open are you to moving to the U.S.? How hard is it to get a visa to work here? Have you ever looked into that? If so, what's your time frame on that? And then the same question comes back to you. Would you ever consider moving to the UK? What's the process of getting a visa? Could you get approved? Is there a career move you could make over there with a similar field that you're in now? Or could you find another job with your background? Are you willing to be apart from your family? Maybe you have parents, brothers, sisters, um, your kids, obviously. Are you willing to be all the way across the pond away from them? Something you got to consider now. Something she has to consider. Leaving all of her friends, all of her family, any ties she's had. Maybe, Maybe she has kids. Maybe she has a mother and father. Is she willing to leave them? These are questions that you're going to have to ask early. And it's difficult that way. But if she's the right one and you guys really click and you fall in love, then those obstacles aren't that big a deal. You make it work. You, But there's sacrifices you have to make for that. Now, there's sacrifices in every relationship, but this is very specific sacrifices. Now, the good news, I told you there's good. The good thing is you're going to learn quickly about if she's the right one because you're moving fast with her. So you're going to learn quickly because... Joseph, your problems might be completely solved in 3 weeks. You start asking questions and she goes, "I would never consider moving there. I would never want to live in Florida. I can never be away from my mother." It's like, "Okay. Well, that's a problem." Because if I move there, you're going to have to come stay with me sometimes, and you're going to have to leave your mother. So you you get these problems out over with early and then and then you could come to the conclusion that, "You know what? I'm I'm not really that into her anyway. Or you could meet someone else in Florida and you go, you know what, this is a lot better. Or you break up with this, the UK girl, and then you meet a Florida girl down the road and you go, oh, this is so nice. I love you and you're local. I never knew how blessed I would be to find a Florida girl until I dated a UK girl. So it's going to give you a really good perspective. So yeah, go for it, but you got to take it slow. You got to ask hard questions fast and don't give your heart away too soon. Don't give your heart away to her before you ask the hard questions and come to that conclusion. Because sometimes that distance can create a false sense of security in the relationship when you're texting and FaceTiming and calling and emailing And not seeing her face-to-face. So you're not seeing her everyday problems. She's not seeing your everyday problems. And so it seems like a fairy tale. So be careful of that. Don't give your heart away too soon. Ask the hard questions right now. And take it slow. Next question. Subject line says, big fan. I saw you when you were part of the Luke Bryan tour in 2017. I've been listening to your podcast. I have all of your albums. Love your music. And this comes from Amber. Amber, thank you. That was a fun tour. Next question, subject line says dating apps. Hey, Granger, my name is Stephanie. I'm 28 years old from North Texas. The last few years, I've been on dating apps to meet people. Whenever I finally find someone actually interested in getting to know uh, and, per- and potentially pursuing a relationship, it always ends the same way. When I think things are great, the rug is pulled from under me and out of nowhere. I end up heartbroken and confused. I eventually bounce back after lots of prayer and talking to friends and family, but I'm definitely getting tired. As a Christian, would you? what do you think about online dating? Or should I just stop looking? Since everyone says the same thing, stop looking and someone will come into your life. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. Yee-yee, ye, Stephanie. Stephanie, shout out to North Texas. Uh, my first question is, why are you 28 and on dating apps? Like, you're... Your prime, your prime age for finding a good husband in North Texas, there's, there's plenty of them. Why are you resorting to dating apps? And the reason I ask it is because dating apps are going to put off this front. It's like a sales pitch. It's like looking for a used car. And you're going to see how many miles it has and gets good fuel economy, never been in a wreck before. It's going to show the pretty picture sitting in a driveway with a sunset in the background. It's all clean. That's what a dating app is. You're seeing the highlights of someone. And so what you're doing is you're pursuing someone only based on their highlights. That's it. That's not healthy to do. And they're thinking the same thing about you. You're finding them because of the highlights and you're pursuing it for a first date. And then they're doing the same thing. They're looking at your highlights, whatever you wrote in your bio, whatever picture out of a million you chose, could you know You're just putting the best pictures on there, the pictures that you want to be represented with, with the sunset going down and your car is clean. So as opposed to what I would recommend is friends, close companions, people that you trust, that wise counsel that says, hey, there's a guy guy I work with, and he's single, and he's 30, and he seems like your type. I would love to set you guys up. I could vouch for him. I know his struggles. I know his successes. I know where he, I know his parents. I know I know his whole story. That just that, that, that's a way better route to go to to find somebody instead of looking at highlights only. No one, no references. Nobody knows them. You don't know his past, and you won't know his past for a long time because he's going to hide it from you. So you're wondering why this ends the same way. I tell you why because the highlights fail. And then you meet the real person. And when you meet the real person or they meet the real you, someone's out. That's why it keeps ending the same way. And I know people are listening going, I met my spouse on a dating app and it's great. There's always exceptions, but those are tiny exceptions. For the most part, you need to go on references. You need to, you need to see them in their natural environment before you take a first date. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to go on a date with you because I know you from references or or I've seen you in the real world first and not your highlight reel first, okay? I would avoid it. I wouldn't go there. You're young. You've got a long time. You're great. Next question says, subject line says, should I ask out my best friend of 18 plus years? Hey, Granger, been listening to the podcast for a while and I've spent just as much time pondering this question. I met this girl at the old age of four many years ago when her dad became the pastor of my childhood church. We've always been very close, and apparently I've already proposed to her once when we were in kindergarten. Now our college careers are wrapping up, and I feel the urgency to find the one for me. I know it's all in God's timing, but I'm, I, I know my Amber won't fall into my lap, talking about my wife. We've talked about dating multiple times over the years, but she's always felt awkward about it. She's still never had a serious relationship, and I think her reservations are rooted in nervousness about that. My question is, do I risk asking her out while chancing losing my lifetime best friend? Any advice would be appreciated. Thanks, Preston. Yeah, Preston, thanks for the email, buddy. So here's the deal. There, there's a couple things I want to talk about. First thing I want to talk about is um she feels hesitant. Okay, so You don't have a clear path here. You know this. The second thing I want to talk about is, I don't, from my perspective, I don't think you have anything to lose here. You're talking about losing your lifetime best friend. I don't think that's a problem. Here's why. One day you're going to meet somebody, your future spouse, and you're going to marry them. And God willing, you're going to make babies with them. You can't have that and a lifetime best friend that's a girl that you grew up with, that you asked to marry when you're in kindergarten. You can't have both. So you're going to have to give her up, your childhood best friend, anyway. It's just not healthy. It's okay now. But you can't have both a spouse, the love of your life with the babies, and, oh, this girl... That I, I've always had a crush on, let's be honest, and I've known her my whole life and we're just best friends. You can't have both. So you're going to give her up regardless. So that's off the table. That's not a problem. So my suggestion is you just make a bold move and say, hey, I think you're great. I've known you forever. I know you. You know me. Now, I am really attracted to you, and I know this might be awkward to you, but I would like to take it slow and pursue you to coffee or to dinner or to a movie. And I'd like to go out in a new way, more than friends, like be honest with her and make it very clear, I want to be more than friends. Would you be interested in that? And if she says, I don't think so, then you go, Okay, I totally respect that. And then you have to back off of this lifetime friendship thing. You can't continue to be best friends with her because that's going to hinder you from meeting somebody. Because as soon as you meet somebody and start to get serious, you're going to have to introduce that new person to your lifelong best friend that you've had a crush on since kindergarten. That's not going to work. You can't have both. So I would say be bold ask her out. If she says yes, if she wants to take it very slow, take it slow. Also, if she says no, that doesn't, that doesn't mean you have to stop. You could say, okay, I'm right here. I'm right here. But I think we need to back off the friendship thing. But I would like to be more than friends. And so I want to prove to you that I want this, you and us together. And so I'm here. Give me a call. I'm not going anywhere. Okay? The other thing I want to talk about is the very beginning of your question, you said, I feel the urgency to find the one for me. I need you to, I need you to get rid of that urgency. There is no urgency. I know you feel that. You're getting out of college, you feel that, but pull that back, retract that feeling and, and be confident and single now. Be secure, and who you are in your singleness now without anybody. You don't need anybody. There's no urgency. It will happen in its own time or not, but either way, that's your path. So don't rush this. Don't feel anxious about this. Be single and secure and confident in who you are and where you are in your life right now. And watch how that starts to change things for your future. Let's hit another one here. It says, subject line, being closer to God, would like to stay anonymous. Hey, Granger, love your music and your podcast. I'm a big fan. I'm 17. I'm a volunteer firefighter. Over the past year, the other guys have talked to me about Christianity. And more recently, I've been trying to get more and more into it and wondering, is it too late for me to be saved and to go to heaven when I pass? I haven't been the best guy, but is it too late? Keep up what you're doing. All right, Anonymous, thanks for your service as a firefighter. This is, this is an easy answer, but you got to listen to me, okay? A couple things. Christianity is not almost there, trying to get there, working on it. I'm half a Christian. I'm three-fourths of a Christian. I'm almost there. Now I'm a Christian. It is not that. It is you're all in or you're all out. Now, a lot of people think they're all in, but they're not. So... You have, to be, you, you have to understand what Christianity is. It's not a world religion. It is a relationship with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. It's realizing that we could not ever be good enough. Just like you said, you said, I haven't been the best guy. No one has. You have to understand that. No one has been the best guy or girl. We have the entire Old Testament of the Bible to prove that to us. God gave his rules, his laws. We couldn't do it. Have you ever told a lie in your life? Ever? Small or big? Have you ever stolen anything? Ever? In your life? Jesus said, have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Because if you have, you've committed adultery in your heart. So with just those three, I would say you are a lying, thieving, adulteress at heart. Have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? Then you're lying, thieving, blasphemous adulterer at heart. That's four laws. We can go down this list. You've broken them all. Everyone has. That's the point. And in his infinite love for us, this is important. God, in his ultimate forgiveness and love and mercy, sent his only son to earth to live a perfect life. He fulfilled the law perfectly because we couldn't, not because the law was bad, it was perfect, but because we weren't good enough for it. So Jesus comes, he fulfills the law perfectly, God pours out his wrath on him that we deserved. It's like you get a bunch of traffic tickets and you go to court. You can't tell the judge, okay, from now on, judge, I'm going to be better. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be better now. The judge says, okay, but what about all these traffic tickets? So what Jesus does is he comes down, he takes the wrath of God, he dies on the cross, resurrected three days later, and what he did, well, he became a substitute for us and those traffic tickets. So the judge goes, hang on a second, your fine has been paid. You're free to go. What? I'm free to go? It's forgotten? Yes. I have now forgotten your sins because the price has been paid. Jesus said, it is finished, meaning paid in full have trust in him, repent for your, from your old ways, meaning I'm sorry, I want to change, I trust in you. You do those things, your, your fine has been paid. And then you are 100% a Christian and you're saved regardless of what you did in the past. See, the thief on the cross had lived a life of sin as we all have. He was on the cross in the last moments of his life, a thief with the death penalty for what he did. And he looked at Jesus and he said, will you remember me when you go into your kingdom? Jesus looked at him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. The thief trusted, he repented, and that day he entered paradise, regardless of what he did in the past. That's you, my friend. But see, you see how how there's no halfway, there's no 50% here, there's no 90% Christian, it's like if, if you had a parachute and you're jumping out of a plane, and I said, hey, man, that parachute has a 50% chance of opening, you wouldn't jump. So if I asked you on a scale of one to 10, how sure are you of going to heaven? And you say, maybe, maybe a six, I'm kind of a good person, but I'm working on being better. Would you jump out of the plane with a parachute that had a 60% chance of opening? I would say you wouldn't. So there is no halfway. You're all in with the trust and repentance of what Jesus did for us and for you, paid in full, you're fine, wiped clean with that faith, or you're not, or you're just trying to be a good person and you'll never be good enough. You hear me, you hear this message, you're 100% in. You don't hear it, You're jumping out of a plane with a faulty parachute. Let's take a break. podcast is brought to y'all today by Raycon. You know, I've been doing a lot of flying lately in the month of August. We have a lot of fly dates, and I've been on the plane listening to a lot of audiobooks. So I need some good earbuds to listen to these audiobooks. That's why I use Raycon wireless earbuds to listen. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. These earbuds are so comfortable and they never will budge. Trust me. Raycons offers three different profiles to match what you're listening to, plus noise isolation and awareness mode, so you could choose to be immersed in sound or be able to hear your surroundings when you need to. Probably the most important thing for me with these Raycons is their battery life Last a long time, and sometimes I'm on these long flights with a layover and then another flight, and I need them to stay on before I get to charge them, and they last eight hours hours of playtime, and 32 hours battery life. So when you need to charge, it's super easy. You could even do that wirelessly. This is a huge selling point for me. You get the same quality audio as other premium audio brands, but half the price. Yeah, really. And they seriously are meant to last. I've seen people dropping these Raycons three stories up, getting lost in the rain, snowstorms, and they still work. It's no wonder why Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 49,000 five-star reviews. Check out Raycon's wireless earbuds. My guess is that you're gonna to want to leave a five star review too. Go to buyraycon.com slash granger today and get fifteen percent off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash Granger to score fifteen percent off by slash granger. The podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. And so many times I tell people on this podcast to stop listening to your heart and start listening to your mind. But you got to have ways to take care of your mind as well. And that's where better help comes in. So how well would you take care of your car if you had to keep the same one your entire life? Well, that's how our brains work. So why don't we treat them the same way? How we care for our minds affects how we experience life. It's so important to invest time and care into healthy minds. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps, but there's also better help Online Therapy. Now, this podcast is all about me being your friend and giving you advice that I think you need, but I'm not a licensed therapist and that's where BetterHelp online therapy comes in. It's online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. So, you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to, and it's more affordable than in-person therapy. Like you could be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. So, our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com/granger. That's better l p.com/granger. Okay, we're back at it. Going through these questions, we have a lot, a lot to get to, and I'm just pulling up whatever's in the queue. You could email me to GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com. GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com. That is what I'm reading. Next question. Subject line says, I'm scared. Hey, Granger, my name is Nick. I'm 26. I'm from Oregon City, Oregon. Your podcast has helped me through the days of being a truck driver. I'm reaching out to you because I found out I'm going to be the father to a baby girl. How do you become a good father? How do I not repeat the way my father was? How do I make sure I'm doing enough? I've always wanted to be a dad. I just want to make sure I'm doing everything I can. Thank you for everything you do. God bless and Yee-yee. All right, Nick. Thank you for your service as a truck driver. Thank you for uh emailing me. Shout out to Oregon. I love Oregon. Okay, buddy. Congratulations. You're going to be the you're going to be a girl dad. That's amazing. Uh, my first baby was a girl, so I could relate. Uh, Your question is, how do I become a good father? How do I not repeat the way my father was? Well, that's called a generational curse, and it is definitely a problem, so you're right to acknowledge it, because these generational curses happen when we get a bad great-granddad, and he raises a bad granddad, who raises a bad father, who raises us, and then we in turn, take what we learn, because that's all we know, and we put that on our kids, and this generational curse keeps happening until someone breaks it. So, Nick, I want to I encourage you to break this curse. And I think by asking the question, you're already in a very good spot. The baby's not even born yet. You're already asking a really good question. How do I become a good father? Well, the first question I, was gonna, I would ask you is... Related to the question right before we took the break, do you love Jesus? Because if you go in and you read the life of Jesus and you read his apostles and you read the epistles and the letters in the New Testament, it's going to lay out for you how to be a good father. In fact, there's plenty of sections on there to talk about how to be a good father. And that's an ancient book. It goes back thousands of years. So much wisdom in that. We could learn so much from that. So we know, first of all, that we're not perfect. We're going to fail. We're going to stumble. And so we be honest with our kids. We need to be present with our kids. We need to have them very high on a priority list. So it's like, God, your girl, your spouse, and your kid. Are you married to what baby mama? I would ask you that. Because the way you treat her is a huge part of how how you are as a dad. That's a huge message you're sending to this little girl about who she is and about what womanhood is by how daddy is treating mommy. That's the first thing she's going to learn about women. The first thing she's going to learn about herself is what she sees with her mom and how dad treats mom. It's a big deal. Like, that's the first thing. So that's the first step for you. Love this woman. Love this girl. Love the baby's mother. Show her respect. Honor her. Open doors for her. Don't raise your voice at her. Try not to argue in front of the baby. That's a huge deal. And you might not have thought about it. You haven't even talked about the baby at all. Treat the mother like royalty. And she sees that. Your baby girl sees that, and she goes, I love Daddy. He's present with me. He gives me intention. He loves Mommy. He protects us. And you put her down at night, and you're, you're tickling her back as she's closing her eyes, and you go, baby, I'm always here for you. I love you. I'll always protect you. I'll always be here to talk to I'll always be here to bounce ideas off of. You know that, right? And she goes, yes, daddy. And reinforce it all the time. Tell her she's beautiful. Tell her all the things that you want to beat the world to. You don't want the world to be the first one to tell her that she's beautiful. You don't want, to be th- the, you don't want the world to be the first one to buy her flowers or tell her that they love her. That needs to be daddy. Every time. Beat the world to the punch. Every time that's huge. And second of all, after that, you got to rein her in. You have to discipline her. You can't just let her run wild because she will go wild. So you can't just be all, all in and, and just nice because love comes with correction as well. So you got to correct her and guide her down this path of growing up. Now her discipline is going to be going to be different according to her personality. So I can't tell you what exactly what that is, but I could tell you London. She was my firstborn. London's biggest discipline that she needed was I needed to be with her and ignore her. That she she couldn't stand it. That w- that would break her every time. It would it would break her will. So we want to break their will as a child. We want to break their will, but not their spirit. You don't want to break her spirit, and you know how to do that. But you want to break her firm will that she has as a a two-year-old, as a one-year-old, as a three-year-old, as a sixteen-year-old. Break the will, not the spirit. So with London, if she was acting out and she needed discipline, I would say, "Okay, it's time to go to your room." So I'd put her in her room, and I would close the door inside the room with her, and I would face the door, and I would say, "When you're ready to apologize, and you're ready to calm down and control yourself." I'll take you out of here. And I would give her those instructions and then I would face the door. And she would get so mad. She would just get irate because I wasn't giving her attention. And eventually, sometimes it would literally would would take an hour and she would finally calm down and she'd say, I'm sorry, Daddy. And I would instantly turn around and I would hug her and I'd say, baby, it's okay. Thank you so much for calming down and listening to Daddy. And then we would go out and we would play. Girls, girls want to be captivating, so make them feel captivating. Tell her she's beautiful. Watch her. Give her that attention that she needs, unless it's form of discipline. You're going to do great. All right, let's hit another one here. Subject line says, money problems. It says, hey, Granger, my name is Isaiah. I'm 19, moved out at 18. My girlfriend of one year still lives with her parents and she is going to beauty school in January. Lately she's been calling me cheap and her parents think that I am as well. I make pretty good money and I'm trying to save around 30% into my savings and obviously some of the money goes to rent, etc. She complains that I need to stop saving and just be young, which I find extremely unwise. I will continue to save, which she is unhappy with. Whenever we get to dinner, um, I pay. I spend a pretty decent amount of money on her but sometimes she doesn't even acknowledge that. I'm not sure how to stand my ground and continue to spend money wisely and not recklessly. But she gets angry whenever I refuse to follow her suggestion. Thanks for all you do, Isaiah. Thanks for the email, buddy. Um, okay, this is a, this is a great sign to break up. This is that's her personality. You're not going to change it. That's your personality. She's not going to change it. And it's awesome that you're seeing it now before you're married, because this is a huge issue if you're married, and you have a joint bank account, and you you have money going in, and she has money going in, and she wants to spend it all and be lavish, and you're trying to save it. That's like a root problem in a marriage that's going to lead to divorce, and I don't think you're going to change her. Now, she is very young. She's 18, um, or I'm assuming, but this it's a really big red flag and the fact that her parents agree with her that's an even bigger red flag that says that she's probably not going to grow out of it that's just how she was raised that's how she feels and that's how obviously how you were raised and that's how you feel so it's a big problem and i don't think it's going to work out i think it's time to back out of this relationship i think it's time to get some space You can't sit down and convince her of this, how saving is important and how spending is not wise, spending lavishly is not wise. You can't convince her of that. That's who she is. That's what she wants. And she'll find somebody after you break up that does that, that just dumps money out on her, goes on cruises and vacations and just buys her jewelry that's ridiculous. And you will find somebody that respects the money and that says i think this is wise let's save up and then we could spend it on a vacation once once we're in a safe place with our savings you're going to find that but you got to find somebody else i'm sorry you probably love her that's why you're emailing me you probably have huge feelings for her otherwise you wouldn't email you would have already done this but i'm here to tell you the tough love isaiah it's time to break up this is a bad sign and good news for you you're not married when it would be a really big problem. Next question says, Hey, Granger, I'm 19. I'm in my first real relationship. We both recently agreed that it was for the best to take a small break because we have a lot going on in our lives at the moment and revisit the relationship when we could both give our 100%. I just can't stop thinking about her. And I always think if I did something to upset her and she always says that nothing's wrong or I'm fine, and I was wondering if you can give me advice on how to approach the relationship when I feel I'm ready to talk to her. Buddy, (laughs) thanks for the email. Um, Let me dig into this and correct you on something. You said, we have recently agreed it's best for us to take a small break that's not true, is it? You might have agreed at the time, but you don't agree with that now. Because now you're saying, you're wondering if you did something wrong to cause this. Meaning this wasn't a mutual breakup So that, because you got a lot going on in your life. Because now you're having second thoughts that maybe it wasn't that at all. Maybe you just blew it. Maybe you did something. And you can't put your finger on it, and she can't identify it or admit it, but maybe you did. Meaning, you weren't ready to get out of this thing, and she was. But the hard part about it is, she doesn't want back in. And now you're just going through good old-fashioned heartbreak. And I'm here to tell you that it's okay, that the feeling you're having is normal, and that everybody goes through it. Long-time listeners of this podcast know how many times I've gone down this road with this subject with these kind of people. Buddy, it hurts. You're going to regret things you did. Maybe you could have said a couple more things. Maybe you shouldn't have said a few things. But that's part of learning about relationships. That's part of learning the opposite gender. So one day, you'll meet somebody. You'll fall in love again. And in your mind, you'll go, I learned back when I was 19, what not to do, or what to do more of. See, heartbreak is a a mechanism inside our body, kind of like pain. It is pain, and so it's like physical pain. So when you put your hand on a stove, and it burns, and you whip your hand away, it triggers something in your memory that says, don't put hand on stove. Got it. Stay away from stove. Got it. Heartbreak does the same thing. So while the hand burns when it's on the stove, it hurts and you get whelps and you got to cool down and you got to get over the scarring of the hand on the stove. The same thing happens with heartbreak because it's good that you got that burn. It's good you got that scar because it's going to prevent you from further damage to putting your hand on the stove. So this heartbreak is the same thing. This is good that you're feeling this. Because it's going to prevent you, or at least help prevent you, from making the same mistakes again with someone that you love. Now, sometimes it's not about the mistakes. Sometimes it's about just we just gave away our heart too soon. We moved too quickly in the relationship and gave ourselves away and weren't guarded enough. That could be it too. But either way, you're learning a lesson through this pain. And I know that that's hard to hear now, and that's something that's like, well, that doesn't help me. I'm hurting. It's the same same way. If you burned your hand on the stove, I'd say, buddy, this is actually good. Wait till it heals. You're gonna know. You're gonna know not to put your hand around a stove. Now you're gonna go, well, thanks a lot, buddy. That doesn't help me now. It hurts. I'm sorry, man. I know it hurts. Heartbreak is is real. It's pain. It's grief. It's it's grieving the loss of someone in your life that you loved. But the good news is, just like the burn on your hand, it will heal. Fully recovered, it will. Just like your hand is fully recovered after the stove, after a certain amount of time, your heart will fully recover. Be still. Wait it out. You'll have good days and bad days, but eventually the bad days will start to fade away and there'll be more and more good days. And then you'll reach a point where you go, you know what? I haven't even thought about her in like three days. This is the first time I've thought about her in three days. Right now you're thinking about her every other minute. But then the three days turns into six days and then it turns into two weeks and then a month and then six months. And then you meet somebody new. And then you fall in love. And then you could barely even remember the girl's name. The girl before. But your heart knows because it's healing. It's growing. It's a lesson. It's good for you. Wait it out. You're going to be good. Love you guys. See you next Monday. Yee
0: 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, small business success stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks.